0: Welcome to The Echidna. This week, humour in politics. Who said this?
1: I've left orders to be woken up at any time in case of a national emergency, even if I'm in a cabinet meeting.
2: And Karen Barlow on the appeal of
3: the independents. They want more than what the major parties are offering and there's enough people out there that are liking that and this is something that is gaining a lot of traction. All coming up
0: on The Echidna. ACM's sharp and close to the ground podcast, with me, Alex Crow, and Steve Evans. But first, that interest rate rise. We are now heading back to what the Governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia views as normal, higher interest rates. And in response, all four major banks have now raised their rates.
2: The RBA expects inflation to be about 6% this year, and that will mean more rate rises. Be sure of that. And there is an election on. So how will the reserve bank's rate rises affect the politics?
0: I asked economist Peter Martin of the ANU whether the rate rise will cure inflation.
4: The truth is this won't fight inflation because and the prime minister I suppose I should say, the candidate for Prime Minister Scott Morrison is quite right on this when he says that the inflation is externally generated, right? Increasing interest rates here isn't going to do anything about the price of oil. It's not going to do anything about the price of diesel. It's not going to do anything about the price of wheat. We're just in one of these unusual situations. There's nothing that this will do, nothing much, given that... uh, inflation caused by overseas measures is 6.6% inflation caused by um, uh, i suppose uh, splurging on uh, luxuries which is normally what uh, high interest rates would control is 2.7% there's nothing much that this will do about that it's about returning to normal i would like to say that it's being done gently and slowly but i, I I don't think that's right. I I think the the first increase is obviously gentle. uh, uh, On a $600,000 mortgage, uh, you'll be paying about $70 uh, a month more. By the time this is finished, though, the Governor's talked about it finishing at a cash rate. The cash rate has been about zero, at a cash rate of 2.5%. That would be an increase on a $500,000 mortgage of $600 a month, which is uh, substantial if it gets that far.
0: Now, Peter, Scott Morrison has very quickly distanced himself from the Reserve Bank decision. However, it's not great timing. Can we blame the coalition for this?
4: There is nothing more certain than that Australians will blame the coalition, the government, Time and time again, things have happened in Australia for international reasons. Our inflation came down when the rest of the world's inflation came down. We had recessions when the rest of the world had recessions. And time and time again, the public blames our politicians. We saw it first in the mid-70s when uh, Whitlam's government was blamed for skyrocketing inflation. And it lost office. The inflation was skyrocketing everywhere in in the world the oil price was skyrocketing australians blame australian politicians and the australian politicians encourage that the liberal party has been running ads about how we have delivered you lower interest rates now if you do that if the whole thing is framed in terms of we have created jobs you can't say oh, we're losing jobs because of international circumstances or inflation's out of control for international reasons, it
2: really doesn't matter about the truth of it.
0: Peter Martin, thank you very much for speaking to us.
2: Great pleasure. But it could play either way, of course. Maybe voters will think that in difficult times you don't throw the captain overboard, cling to the devil you know, that kind of thing.
0: There seems to be a bit of disillusion with both major parties, and the independents are more prominent than we've ever seen them.
2: In the ACT, the great Wallaby rugby player, David Pocock, is fighting for the Senate. Our politics reporters, Karen Barlow and Dan Jervis Bardi have been following all of this. I asked Karen first what the appeal of the independents was.
3: Well, in short, the major parties are on the nose under the the Prime Minister for three years, but we've had nine years of the coalition government and people are dissatisfied and they have a lot of trouble with what's been going on. And there's also the Labor opposition, which is not presenting itself as anything that is uh, bold in regards to things like climate and integrity. And that's the platform that many of these independents are standing on. And they want more than what the major parties are offering. And there's enough people out there that are liking that. And this is something that is gaining a lot of traction. It started really uh, with the last election with Zali Stegall being elected over Tony Abbott. But now we have a whole bunch of independents popping up. And they're really are giving the Liberal Party in particular a run for its money.
2: And I see this word teal. What's all that about then?
3: Teal is a colour and it's kind of a mishmash of uh, green and blue. And it's um, and it's also something that Zali Stegel had as her particular colours. There is actually a rainbow of, of colours for the independents, but it has become the catch tag for the independents. There's Monique Ryan. There's Allegra Spender in Wentworth. There is Zoe Daniel in Goldstein. There's a whole bunch. But then we have here this seemingly backdoor action in regards to the Senate in the ACT. And the ACT, the Northern Territory, the senators there get elected every three years. It's much like a, a House of Reps fight, actually. But the ACT is different. And here we have David Pocock, Kim Rubinstein, standing as independents, giving the Greens a run for their money as well in the fight against Ed Silja and Katie Gallagher.
2: So these independents in these seats, all, mostly women, I note, all basically anxious about climate change and don't feel that either side is going to do the job.
3: No, and um, these are candidates that are professional women in the main. They're doctors, they're lawyers, they're people of standing, they're backed Uh, they're not uh, candidates of they're backed by climate 200 so they've got money behind them this time we know politics is a very expensive run it's very hard to campaign in the modern age Uh, so they've got money behind them they've got advertising behind them and they have a united voice in a platform but then they do it differently as they say they're independent but backed by a funding vehicle of which you know there are questions about everyone wants to know about political donations and where this money does come from Uh, Climate 200 says that many of the donations, uh, hundreds and thousands of them, have come from concerned individuals. But we won't know until a year down the track because under the current laws, political donations are not that transparent. The major parties have kept it this way for a very, very long period of time. And we don't know until they declare them a year down the track where has this money come from.
2: But either way, these people do now seem to be getting traction
3: Absolutely, because it comes back to the initial point that the major parties are on the nose.
2: And here in Canberra, Dan, there is also a similar fight.
5: Well, the winds of change are blowing through the nation's capitals. So for almost 50 years, the two Senate seats in the ACT, one has been held by the Liberal Party, one has been held by the Labor Party. But in the midst of this broader national movement, of this wave of independence, we're seeing a real challenge now to that status quo. Now, in the ACT, we know with almost near certainty that the Labor Party will hold on to its seat, but it's the other one, the Liberal seat that's held by Senator Zed Zelja that is really under threat. And it's a fascinating contest here because we have a really high-profile independent candidate. David Pocock. People all right across the country will know the name David Pocock. He was a rugby superstar. At one point, he could have been the best rugby player in the world. So he's about as big a name as, as we have when it comes to celebrities in Canberra. So he's one candidate that's that's challenging Senator as elder. We've got constitutional law expert, Kim Rubenstein, who's a very well-known figure here in the ACT. And then we've got the Greens, who are at a local level, who govern in, in power with the Labor Party. So you've got these three candidates all on the sort of left side of politics, challenging the status quo, challenging the conservative senator, and putting his seat under more threat than what we've we've ever seen in the ACT.
2: Splitting the vote?
5: Potentially, and that's the, that's the challenge for, for those three candidates. So for Senator Zelja to hold on, for him to retain his place in the Senate... He just needs a third of the vote. If he gets a third of the vote, if 33% of Canberra voters back him in, then he holds on to his seat. Now, what could happen at this election and and what the concern from the Liberals is, is that Senator Szelger's vote gets knocked down right into the sort of mid to low 20s. And if that happens, if that happens whilst votes, whilst Liberal voters are moving towards Pocock, for instance that his primary vote could move up and then he can ultimately leapfrog Sir on preferences and and do what a lot of people have thought would be the unthinkable and and win that seat.
2: To both of you then, finally, big picture stuff. We are used to two-party politics. If it's not the coalition, it's Labour, but something's changed.
3: Something has changed, but either Labor or the coalition will form some form of government. So we still have that in the House of Reps scenario here. They have to form government somehow, whether it's minority or majority. But in the Senate, it's very interesting because no party will have a majority in the Senate and they need votes to get stuff through and to get business done. And if there's a change here in the ACT, then it's going to be very interesting for whoever forms government about what they have to deal with because there's also going to be Pauline Hanson and some other crossbenchers to deal with.
2: Thank you both very much indeed.
0: We've seen quite a few mostly awful attempts at humour this election. Labour's campaign manager, Jason Clare, has been especially enjoying his time in front of the mic. As our regular observer, Gary Linnell, spotted.
1: He seems to rehearse his zingers almost every morning. The other day he was coming out saying that uh, some of the government's plans were there were more baloney than a New York deli. And he's often said, quite often, and he said it during the Labor Party launch in Perth on the weekend, that there were more smoking guns than a Clint Eastwood movie inside Scott Morrison's cabinet. Now, he seems to be rehearsing these a lot, And we definitely need a little bit more humour in this campaign, surely, don't we? I mean, if you go back in time and have a look at some of the great one-liners that politicians have come up with, George Reid, he was Australia's fourth Prime Minister, and he was quite a stout, balding figure, a very large man. And he was out in the Hustings one day when a voter pointed at his large stomach, and he said, well, what are you going to call it, George? And he said, well, if it's a boy, I'll call it after myself. If it's a girl, I'll call it Victoria. But if, as I strongly suspect, it's nothing but piss and wind, I'll name it after you. (laughs) Now, we don't seem to have that kind of repartee anymore, do we? I mean, there was that famous Winston Churchill um, uh, slanging match where an old woman came up and she sort of pointed at him. And she said, I really despise you. If you were my husband, I'd put poison in your cup of tea. And he said, "Ma'am, if I was your husband, I'd drink it. Now, unfortunately, we don't get a lot of that anymore, do we?
2: It all seems to me to be a bit contrived at the moment, as though they've got scriptwriters. And if you can't do it, keep away from humour. You can't really read somebody else's joke if you don't get it. That's the moral, isn't it? I think so. I think
1: and there's got to be a little bit of spontaneity around some of these lines. I mean, look, Ronald Reagan, I think, is is a classic example of a politician who knew how to use humour, particularly self-deprecating humour, to his advantage. There was a famous time when he rolled up at a university campus when he was on the election trail. There were a lot of protesters outside. Uh, You know, he described them as hippies. And he looked at them and he said, make love, not war. By the looks of you, you don't look like you could do much of either. Now we don't <laughs> quite actually have that kind of material in politics these days, and as you said, all of it sounds terribly tinny and corny, and and very much the work of a scriptwriter behind the scenes. I mean, Reagan also came out one day and he said, uh, "I have left orders to be woken up at any time in case of a national emergency, even if I'm in a cabinet meeting." Now that kind of plays. <laughs> very well you know he was always willing to sort of take the mickey out of himself and you know I'm, I'm sure everyone probably remembers some of the great lines he said about his old age
2: yeah i would say he used it very powerfully humor didn't he? he was standing in an election i think he was in his 70s and there were all this surmising in the papers is he too old to be president and he said i promise you i will not make age an issue in this election I will not dwell on the youth and inexperience of my opponent. So he obviously had a sense of humour and it actually was pretty powerful.
0: But we do have like, – Barnaby Joyce is kind of funny without deliberately being funny and Adam Bent feels like he could almost pull it off. I mean that Google it mate line, that was, that was pretty good. But Morrison and Albanese, they're not funny and yet they keep on trying with these little little ins and bits – What's the purpose?
1: I think the purpose is to try and make themselves appear and sound more human and um, and they and it actually has the reverse effect I think it makes them appear colder and even more rehearsed than what they possibly are now. I mean I can't remember an election campaign with more rehearsed scripted speeches setups, Uh, people's scripted press conferences, staged public gatherings. I mean, the whole thing is, I mean, we all know it's a circus, but the whole thing has become so contrived. And the fact that we've still got over two weeks to go, no wonder people are tuning out. I remember when my son was growing up, he said, Dad, I, I think I want to go into politics when I grow up. And I said, are you insane? Have you completely lost your mind? Are you a moron? He said, oh, forget it. That seems to be too many
0: requirements. (laughs) (laughs) Gary Liddell, thank you so much for speaking to us.
2: Thank you, guys. On that note, we will leave you.
0: Join us again next week for another edition of The Echidna.
4: want more stories that matter to you? Well, we have a special offer for listeners. You can get a further 20% off an annual digital subscription for the Canberra Times. Just go to canberratimes.com.au forward slash subscribe and enter the code listen at checkout.